Hey beautiful soul, this is the Menopause Coach Podcast with me, your host, Adele Johnston. I'm helping you create a vibrant life of joy and happiness without your menopause stealing your personal power and sass. Together, we're making menopause mainstream. The things that we've seen that it improves are things like your um, cognition. So it helps with things like word finding with memory impairment. It helps with energy. It helps with strength. It helps with mood. And I'm quite open about it. I would say it's my favorite hormone mm. out of all of the ones that I prescribe. Welcome back to the Menopause Coach Podcast. In this episode, I get the privilege of speaking with Dr. Zoe Hodson, a specialist menopause doctor who talks with us about testosterone, the prescribing of it, why she's so keen to get women the right care so that they thrive and are vibrant in their menopause health and happiness journey. Dr. Zoe Hodson emphasizes the blockers and the solutions to moving forward with a much better, vibrant space within this menopause place. So let's jump straight into this episode. And as always, if you are enjoying it, please do make sure you are subscribed. When you're subscribed, you get notified first about every episode that lands. And oh my word, do we have some truly amazing episodes landing for you. So get yourself subscribed and please do let us know. Zoe and I always love to hear your thoughts. What comes up for you after you hear this episode? Zoe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Amazing having some time with you and your amazing brain. Do you want to maybe just share with me and the listeners what you've been up to, what you've been doing? This journey started way, way back and it echoes a lot of the problems. There are so many problems with menopause, careful stop and testosterone takes this to another level. Many years ago, a lady came to me and said, I would like testosterone. And I actually felt really uncomfortable during the consultation and I just thought why are you putting me in this position I don't know anything about it you're asking me to do something that is way out of my comfort zone without any support I couldn't find any guidelines and I think this is a common reaction with you feel slightly cornered and then that can very often turn to frustration you just want that patient out of the room really because you've got all these uncomfortable feelings that you don't know what to do with and you're being asked to do something that you have never ever been taught about Mm. as I've said before in my 10 years of training I had two hours training on menopause Mm -hmm. testosterone was never mentioned it was never mentioned at medical school It was never, ever mentioned as a female hormone. So I started reading around it for her. But again, there wasn't, didn't seem to be any support for me to do that. Didn't know where to turn to access it because we'd seen women going through seeing gynecologists and again, no mention of testosterone. And we know that the menopause clinics are quite thin on the ground in the NHS at the moment. So I thought it must have to be handled with kid gloves. It must be really difficult to Mm. monitor. It must be so complicated that it can only be done in these very specialist hospital clinics. And it sort of got left there for a while. And then I started this training, then started prescribing testosterone because I had been then taught how to prescribe testosterone. Mm. And it was just such an Mm eye-opener because... Again, the big focus on the guidelines has always been about libido, loss of sex drive. is really important and we'll come on to that. But the things that we see that it improves are things like your um, cognition. So it helps with things like word finding with memory impairment. It helps with energy. It helps with strength. It helps with mood. And I'm quite open about it. I would say it's my favourite hormone mm. out of all of the ones that I prescribe. 
because you see these women of all ages who have just lost that sense of self and their confidence. And then when you prescribe it, it's actually really straightforward. There is some monitoring, but there are guidelines available online. So I've now got to the point where I'm starting testosterone in the clinic. And I, as you know, I work in a private clinic. There just isn't funding for us to work in an NHS service. So I'm really keen to get women up and running and then back to their GP because they shouldn't be having to pay ongoing for private care. It's not covered by insurance companies. And so I'm writing to the GPs to say, is there any chance that you can take over this testosterone prescription? Here are the guidelines that are intended for for primary care, so general practice. I've clarified with Mr Nick Panay who wrote them and they're Mm -hmm. on the British Menopause Society that they were intended for general practice. And then the GPs will go to their local formulary and nothing. Right. Asking them to step out of their comfort zone without any backup from their local area prescribing formulary. And as you say, we started looking into this about a week ago. I asked women, could they look on their local formulary and just see what the position is on testosterone? And it absolutely appalling. Do you know that it's a very valid point you've made there because I'm quite open, all the ladies on this podcast know that, but I myself might have a requirement to replace testosterone. So I'm in this journey right now where I'm just waiting on the second lot of bloods coming back because my overall testosterone when we checked it was pretty much non-existent, not just low, but pretty much non-existent. So from that point of the matter, I think there's a lot of symptoms that I've been experiencing personally that I would never have known could be as a result of the low testosterone in my hormonal makeup. We actually produce more testosterone than estrogen. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Nobody really knows. does this steady decline. So Mm. we're not asking for anything new, it's ours. I saw my GP when I, and again, it's sort of a personal journey because it was the first time I'd ever had to have time off work Mm -hmm. I just couldn't my brain wasn't working didn't have any energy affected my mood when I was up and running on it which I accessed privately Mm. um, to my GP to chat about it his first words were well of course you feel better it's a steroid hormone Mm, my god (laughs) trigger point (laughs) I know and I said well no because it's replacing a deficiency yeah I don't have any and it's just getting me back to normal levels it's not adding it in I'm asking to be sort of superwoman I'm just asking for what should be mine it tells you there's a gap there within the understanding and the knowledge right there's still that gender bias that exists around this hormone you know testosterone equals men and it's not it's far from it we as women need it it's not just a nice to have again you can see why women get misdiagnosed with fibromyalgia because it just gives you this overwhelming fatigue and then if you've got Mm. the other symptoms that can go along with low estrogen so the joint pains Mm -hmm. has big impact on your mood you Mm. just don't have the energy or strength to do anything which is debilitating you know i think um we naturally think that menopause is an old woman's thing but actually it's midlife for us now we're we're surviving so much longer than women in even victorian times when they would die not long after their menopause we've spoken about this before there are so Mm -hmm. many undiagnosed younger women Mm -hmm. out there we know it's particularly important for them so women who have early menopause premature ovarian insufficiency surgical menopause so when they have surgery to for other reasons yes menopause 
women who've undergone cancer treatments in younger age, which puts them into menopause. Yeah. And what we often see is going back to getting levels, GPs not having any education on what testosterone can do and what normal levels are. Mm-hmm. So I spoke to somebody who was, was distraught because she had a lot of symptoms. Her GP had very kindly done some bloods for her. Mm-hmm. And in my view, they were incredibly low, but mm-hmm. they still came back in the normal range. The GPs had any education about this. Mm-hmm. If we were to look at this, because this is just a query that's come to my mind as well, just in the last probably couple of days actually preparing for this episode as well was thinking about well where does it sit though where does the kind of not the buck stop but where does the responsibility sit within the medical professional field because I I know that there's that kind of gap then in between GP knowledge but is it really for a GP to have to be the one that specializes in this should it you know in your opinion should it not be that it sits more within gynae or somewhere that's a bit more female health 20 years ago when i started things like um chronic renal disease things Mm -hmm. like diabetes a lot of it was done in the hospital Mm -hmm. actually moved to general practice so general practice are that gps are used to dealing with with complex Mm. really complex health and this isn't it's very straightforward guidelines it's a very safe treatment there's lots of data about that so that's the practical thing, if we could apply some common sense to this, is mm. there really is no reason why GPs couldn't manage this. Big, however. Mm. The reason GPs are comfortable managing things like asthma and diabetes and heart disease and renal disease is because they've been taught over and over mm. again. So they're taught at undergraduate level, they're taught several times in their GP training, mm-hmm. and then every GP has to fulfil their regular appraisal and prove ongoing learning and general practice is really stressed at the moment so part of me feels bad for asking them to do another thing mm-hmm. on top of this but at the same time i don't think this needs to be done in a specialist clinic mm. it really isn't rocket science mm-hmm. um so again i'm doing some training in manchester in the in um, the next couple of months mm-hmm. and the course organizer said well what, what stage should we introduce training about menopause and it's all every stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's affecting fifty-one percent of the population, and it will affect them. It's not that it might. Yes, it's not like diabetes yes. or. Like so it shouldn't be limited to an afternoon in your final year of general practice training because mm-hmm. you've missed so many opportunities by then. I mean, the curriculum for general practice is vast, um, as you can imagine, but yeah. it's just sort of lumped under women's health. And that means that many trainers who don't have any knowledge about it can quite easily skirt past it because there are so many other things that can be covered in women's health. That's why um, Diane Dunzebrink's campaign to make it mandatory is so important. Yeah. And for the clinicians as well. Yeah, It's absolutely. an awful, awful position to be put in, seeing lots and lots of women and never having been taught yeah it's really unfair for them yeah i completely agree and i think it kind of from any of the listeners who are listening to this right now thinking you know i wonder if this is me i wonder if this you know some of those symptoms Mm. i'm I'm thinking oh that could be me it's more than thinking well what's the next steps for them how do they start to initiate any type of is it or isn't it so that I can get help? We need women knowing, educating themselves about this, knowing mm. that it is a female hormone. Yeah. We need the GP, if a woman asks about it, to be familiar with it mm-hmm. and to know the ranges to test for and whether that's a significant mm-hmm. deficiency, a treatable one. 
Um, I mean, you don't actually have to do blood tests. You can just do it with symptoms. But I think, again, if we're introducing this into the land of general practice, then they're probably going to feel more comfortable with blood tests mm -hmm. to validate this to begin with. Another postcode lottery. So six miles away from here, the GPs can't even organise or can't even ask for the blood tests that are required because mm -hmm. the lab won't do them. Right, that's interesting. In Manchester, the lab will do them. So then so, those ladies that are in that postcode cycle, that circle then, that is out with the yeah. testing, they would ultimately then have to, I presume now, think about going private to get those tests done. They'd have to go to a menopause clinic mm. and there are a list of the NHS ones on the British Menopause Society website mm. um, as well. So again, you're looking at having to access a menopause clinic mm. and then have test done and then start the therapy and then what happens then mm. you've got them up and running on testosterone so that should not stay in secondary care mm. because it's bogging up an already underfunded under-resourced menopause clinic yeah but you go back to the gp the gp turns to the formulary to see whether or not they are advised that they can continue this treatment and the formulary doesn't even mention it yeah so what so they stay under hospital care yeah, it's crazy, for right? Single blood test and prescription. That's mm -hmm. it's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's like you say, it's that postcode lottery of it's not UK based, this approach. No. It's actually some areas are a little bit more advanced and further forward in this care zone than others within the same country. But I think, you know, from what I've been researching and looking at the UK is so far behind other countries such as the US in this type of care. So when it comes to the prescription and the readily available testosterone replacement, this is where you've mentioned before, some majority of GPs, they're outside their comfort zone as soon as a woman asks, I would like to have testosterone replacement. It's kind of that, oh, okay. I think you have to recognise that if you approach a GP and mm. say, I understand that you might not have been taught about this. And then that's where you can download the leaflets from the menopausedoctor.co.uk website. Those, yeah. They're under resources and there's a leaflet about testosterone. So that can Brilliant. be forwarded to your GP and you could say, would you mind reading about this? Um, I really do feel it could be underpinning my symptoms. What we need is for the GP to then have the backup, a consistent formulary. So we looked and I think there are about five areas in the whole of the UK that mm. acknowledge this mm. and have it on their formulary. So the formulary is a list of medications that the GPs are advised to stick to with their prescribing. So again, if you're prescribing outside the formulary, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah I can it, imagine. I mean, that one formulary, and it's all available online, had posted that this is considered a low-value intervention. One, how have they come to that conclusion? And two, who has written this to be able to then put that out there? It's not a low-value yeah. intervention. It's a necessity. It's an essential for replacing these I mean, drops. even if we just look at so the main guidelines, the indication with the NICE guidelines are for... Um, loss of libido, so sex drive, when mm. HRT is optimised. Even mm. if we just take that, mm. who is to say that that is a low-value intervention? It's not. It's, it's outrageous. Erectile dysfunction is not dealt with in the same way, and I suppose this is getting into that land of 
been a bit controversial, but if a man rocks up to yes. the doctor saying, oh, I'm having really bad issues and it's affecting my self-esteem and actually I'm not able to make love to my wife or have sex with my partner or whatever, and it's affecting and my relationship. And they turned around and said it's a low-value intervention. Do you know, I think part of it excites me because I'm like, there's so much that can be done in this space because it literally is so fragmented right now that there is yes. there, there's, there's a lot that can be done probably what I would refer to as the low-hanging fruit, where the pressure can be put on into that yes. medical space to say, this isn't good enough anymore. We're in the year 2021, yes. and as females, we will not stand for this any longer. But how do we get to there? How do we, you know, what do we need to do to raise that noise? It's very unlikely to go from nothing to GPs being able to prescribe it. We'll have to look at the way that the NHS works. Mm. Um, most of the areas will have what's called a traffic light system on the formulary. So they will have drugs marked red, which are not prescribed in general practice, drugs marked green, absolutely fine. What we're looking at for the first stage, and I know it's going to frustrate women, but it's it's looking at what is achievable step by step. And I think amber is the most realistic first stage. And that would mean that it could be continued by a GP if started in a specialist clinic. I think if we go in and at the first stage and say we want GPs prescribing, it's just going to be an absolute no, and we won't have achieved anything. Yeah, agreed. So better to Amber. Mm -hmm. um, and again, if women don't have an accessible menopause clinic and NHS one in their area, mm. then they'd be asking the clinical commission group why. Mm -hmm. If I can't access this through a specialist clinic, why isn't there access to a specialist clinic? Mm -hmm. That's what I've been, we've been asking women to do. And there's a template um, email on menopausesupport.co.uk, which a, a lovely lady wrote. It just covers all the guidelines that are available. And again, it's sort of in the same way as fertility treatment is very much a postcode lottery. Mm. It's better now, but it was very much a postcode lottery. This is, and we're just asking, why is that the case? Mm. Why can women in Derbyshire access testosterone and women in Fife can't access testosterone? It is crazy. It's like you see, I mean, even looking at the kind of NHS um, support, menopause support clinics that are available, there wasn't any when I had a look that were nearby to Fife, where I'm from. So yes. in order to get to the nearest one, it was either Perth, which is 40 minutes north of where I am, Glasgow, which is 60, and this is driving, 60 minutes drive yes. to the west of where I am. And I haven't done this myself to try and make any physical appointments with them, but I've heard that the wait time to be seen or to be spoken you know arranging a, a kind of consult yeah. with them is taking a very long time and that's to be expected if there's not a lot of clinics available locally yes so yeah you know I think that yeah I think it's just it's one of these things where like I say it does excite me that we've got this big gap I know that sounds crazy but it means that there's a lot that can be done like you say step by step in a very controlled and knowledgeable manner but equally it's like this is still a massive gap in knowledge and understanding and you and I both kind of exactly have the same thought process on that all of us women, regardless of whether this is a passion or a profession or it's it's our own bodies, we need to know how we're feeling and how it's working. So by doing a bit of reading, by absorbing information on, well, what is testosterone? 
It is a female hormone, it's not just a male hormone. It's made in the ovaries, so it's not just a, you know, something that's kind of there that we're kind of like, oh, when yeah. it's gone, we don't need it. It's actually a really core, crucial hormone to what we need for our body to function effectively. So, yeah, I think it's just about, you know what, my one ask from anybody listening to this now would be ask questions absorb information read literature grab some books and if you're unsure of what ones then ask zoe and i what we've liked to read that have helped us to grow our understanding of things i mean not so much zoe because she's a gp <laughs> you've got that grounded knowledge just don't don't sit in the dark is probably my one big ask i sort of think we have to start somewhere don't we we can't yeah again it not the next generation are not going to be going through these battles no christ no absolutely not and i have to think of that as that's that's my daughters you know they're they're coming up for a living they're just about to go through that early period of starting their menstrual cycle and going through their kind of young adulthood i actually would you know be extremely upset angry inside if we get to a point where they are in their 30s and 40s and this is still a conversation yeah yeah absolutely and i think this can't keep happening completely completely not and i think that's you know something that we'd kind of said um before i hit record is that it still seems to be that kind of gender bias within even the kind of medical professional industry as well where you know, the research that's even been done in this area is predominantly just, is done through men. There's not enough female yeah. research that's being conducted that we can say, look, here's the hard evidence. This is where social media has come into its own. You know, the thing with the um, requesting the UK version of the estrogel. Yes. Right across menopause, its symptoms are being dismissed. No, you're too young. Mm. No, your periods, no, your blood tests are normal. And it's, I think it's giving women the confidence to cut through that and say, no, you will listen to me. And that's something that even with the ladies that I'm supporting just now, a lot of them were denied some of the core blood checks that we wanted to have done for them. Now, we, again, just caveating that to say you don't need to have blood tests to prove. In fact, you can't really have a blood test to prove, prove whether it's menopausal or not because of the fluctuations in our hormones so often. You know, the symptoms, like we've said, are enough. But even just generally trying to get some medical care and intervention for prescriptions, the GPs are reluctant to go just based on the symptoms. So I've found that with a lot of my ladies, the GPs have ran just bog standard blood works that you know fsh oh you're healthy everything's fine and it's like well no or we wouldn't be here we wouldn't be having this conversation so a lot of the time it's it's arming ourselves with how to effectively request their support sometimes we just need to ask for their support in a trial of treatment and actually it's not that we're asking them to put us on a stack of hrt care for us forever Initially, it's a, yeah. let's just look at this across maybe even a six to 12 week period so that we can see. Let's just see how it yes. happens. And you works. haven't lost anything, have mm. you? And you've, you've had all the other tests under the sun and not, yeah. and you're still not reaching any. I mean, that's the, again, as a, for a GP, for someone to keep turning up to the clinic, mm. same symptoms, and you just think, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And speaking to the GP group, um, the other week, one of them had done the confidence in menopause course. Mm, amazing. She was just saying, you can 
get women to feel well. What could be more rewarding than that? And get them back to functioning again, enjoying their lives. Yeah. Having intimacy again. Yes. You know, all of these things. I mean, that's a whole other thing. How come women are suddenly not allowed a sex drive? That's it. And it's not even just the sex drive. You know, something that, again, um, you know, full transparency, I do not get embarrassed talking about these things, but something that I noticed... And I don't know if it's it's something I've noticed for quite a while, so it's probably been there for a long time, is that mm. I can find it really difficult to climax or orgasm during mm. having you know, having sexual intercourse or, or whatever with my husband. It can be really difficult sometimes and it gets really frustrating because you think, Why? Like what is going yeah. on? And that's actually yeah. another symptom and sign of those hormone deficiencies, low testosterone, absolutely. So, you know, it's within that kind of gift of our own to understand our body and know, you know what, there's something not quite right. Don't know what it is, but I need support to figure it out. So please, GP, support me through this and let's see where we can go with a trial of treatment. That would be the end goal, right? That we've got enough built into the curriculum so that GPs are kind of going in armed knowing that, potentially most of the females that they will see that are in yes. their, their 40s and plus are going to be approaching them with an array of symptoms of different symptoms yeah. yeah and this is no disrespect to gps at all but rather than just treat the kind of array of different symptoms with antidepressants or creams potions you know pills yeah it's more a hmm you're ticking a lot of boxes here i wonder could it be this yes let's just check that and then we'll work together to kind of iron it out what can we do as a collective as females and as males i do have some male listeners to this this podcast so what can we do as as people as human beings to support ourselves our daughters our mums our the females in our lives it's recognizing this supporting because you can feel very vulnerable and you again if you're um even taking the first step to approach a healthcare professional can feel very vulnerable even having someone going in with you Mm. if you are particularly if you're having things like word finding and just feeling Mm. rotten Mm. just have someone sitting with you saying well these are the symptoms i've noticed that she is experiencing yeah we've read around this and we would really like to explore if it is HRT that you wanted to explore or explore treatments that could help with this. Mm. It's global with this. We need everyone to be wearing their menopause glasses and everyone to mm. to gradually. And I think a lot, um, the younger GPs, I mean, a lot of the old ones, but especially the younger GPs are, and they're really keen to embrace this. And again, but they haven't known where to turn to before yeah. now. Another area it needs to be funded in general practice because it's not so things like asthma reviews, diabetic reviews are all mm. funded. Mm. This isn't funded, and yet it could be one of the most cost-effective treatments. Mm. Well, it would be. It would be. Yeah, okay. not could. It absolutely would it's be. It's not could. It yeah. would be. And when you think about the impacts it has across the workplace, you know, these are things that even some employers are being really forthcoming and on the front foot with menopause and putting a lot of care and support into the workplace as part of their employee benefit scheme whereas others you know that they probably haven't even thought about the impact that menopause is having on their female and male workforce because it's not just a female issue even just looking at the nhs Mm. huge percentage of their workforce Mm. 
menopausal women. It's just not cost effective, really, to not support them. It is a fastly exciting but very unknown time right now, right? On where we're going with this. Yes, we'll still keep chipping away, I think. That's it. And I am 110% behind you and Newson Health and what you're doing. So here, beck and call, anything that's needed. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I think this is the first start, isn't it? I mean, it's just asking why. Why Why are we having Why are we having to ask this? Where is it on your formulary? When are you going to discuss it? If they don't reply, then that's going to be cut back on again. And that's when we start looking at MPs and things. Mm. Um, mm. But I think, as I say, there's enough of us mm-hmm. to not let this drop now. It doesn't just have to be someone in the medical space that can write these letters. So again, the kind of call to action, if we can say it that way and make it quite formal on the back of this episode would be that each and every one of you, you know, forget about all of the social media stuff. This is not about getting the likes or the shares. This is about getting the information off of the menopause on the menopause charity website. Otherwise, it's going to be on, I think, the Menopause Doctor website, okay. um, hopefully in the next week or so. And it's already on the menopausesupport.co.uk website. So there's just a template email um, with some structure on. And as I say, if, if women can personalise it with their own journeys, just to give each area an idea of the frustrations that women are feeling. Yeah. So whether it's access to menopause clinics whether it's being told at your gp surgery that you can't have each the 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 individual frustrations Mm. i think would also be really useful Mm. for each area to start to get an idea of what is happening because if we don't speak up about it again they don't know absolutely true and it might not be that they're sat there you know i call it ostriches where heads are in the sand and they're just kind of you know living life as an ostrich it might not even be as you know as blatant at that as that it might just be that there has been that level of ignorance around it that they've just not known yeah divide and conquer ladies divide and conquer so that is our ask on the back of today but as always i will keep everything in the show notes clickable links so that people have access to all of the websites that we've mentioned today and um, the app that Zoe had mentioned as well is one that I massively feel as a, a user myself, but also have all of my ladies download. It's called the Balance app. So do make sure that you go and download that if you haven't already so that you can track your own symptoms and stay up to date with the brilliant community that's in there, all of the resources. And like Zoe said, there is a testosterone leaflet available as well. So never be stuck, never be lost. You have got an array of information at your fingertips. You maybe just don't know it right now. So just ask myself or Zoe or anybody at all in the menopause space and we can point you to where this information sits. I truly hope this episode has sparked something vibrant inside of you. I ask only one thing. To help keep these episodes coming, please subscribe and share with another in your life. That's how we reach more women worldwide and we help them step into their power. Because together, we are working to remove any of the stigma and taboo that surrounds menopause. This does not need to be a daunting, a scary, a taboo time in anyone's life. So together, let's make menopause mainstream.